0: With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. In 1877, the earth moved with the power of a footballing giant. And the world was introduced to the beautiful game.
1: People might get winning here for World, in the shot. What a goal!
0: And a podcast is following the giant in its bid for glory at the top of what it created all those years ago. This is is the 77 Club.
2: The changes may have shocked us, but a routine, comfortable win over Cardiff in the Premier League. On to Chelsea at Stamford Bridge next. And we also talk finances. The club has released them from the last financial year. And do they make good reading? I suppose there are two ways of looking at it. Everything else in between two and latest betting on ticket news and the 77 Club Quiz. And welcome to episode 67 of The 77 Club. Harry, we'll start with the socials.
3: Yeah, The Wall 77 Club on Facebook, at 77 Club Podcast on Twitter, Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, please rate us, we're also on Instagram too. And uh, you had a little bit of a trip to the toilet last week, Harry, how was that? Oh mate, yeah, it's my bad, I forgot to click my bloody microphone on. After 66 episodes, That schoolboy <laughs> error, can you believe it? Hopefully, you'll sound all right this week. But yeah, I mean, it will sound ridiculous now if you do sound crap again. And your other
2: pundits are Dan Bayliss. Hello, Wolves fans. And Jack Williams. Hello, everybody. Harry, when that team was released, I think we were the first people to say, what is going on? A return uh, for John Ruddy. You had Traor playing at right wing back in the place of Matt Doherty. Sace board in. Gibbs White started too. And Vanagre in for Johnny. It was just a strange one, but it was vindicated in the end.
3: Yeah, well, last week I did say I wanted to make a few changes. We looked a bit tired, but I weren't expecting that, I'll be honest. Traore right wing back was a surprise to me. Um, and obviously Gibbs White been in there and that, but it did pay off. And um, arguably our two win backs, they had some of the best play on the day, didn't they? Especially Agra. I thought he was brilliant. And of course for Adama Traore, who
2: managed to get past Sol Bamba, and Sol Bamba had to, well, tried to foul him, didn't
4: he, Dan? But he was unsuccessful and did his crew shit in the meantime. He was successful in fouling him. I think the outcome was just that he crocked himself. Fully deserved as well. If you're going to just trip someone up because you can't handle it, then uh, enjoy enjoy six months sat in your pants not playing football.
5: It's a weird one, that, isn't it? Because obviously you always tend to have sympathy if someone gets stretched off injured. But in that instance, <laughs> I didn't really. Because he like, he's t- tried to basically do a deliberate foul to take out one of our players. And in the process is knacking himself. And it's hard to have that much sympathy in that situation. I don't know what you guys think, but...
4: Oh, I don't think I've ever seen it before. It's never nice for someone to get a long-term injury like that, but the foul he tried to commit was just dirty. There was no close attempt <laughs> for anything, so did, sod him.
5: Actually, I don't know this, because I think we walked off for a pint while he was on the floor, didn't we? But um, did he get booked as he was being stretched <laughs> off? He did get booked, so he got stretched <laughs> he off. He did, you know? yeah. That's all right, then.
2: In terms of that starting at 11, Harry. Nuno sort of gave away who was going to be playing in goal on a Thursday, which is very rare for him to not keep his card so close to his mm. chest. But I, I guess after that, Warnock was maybe thinking that everything was probably going to be the
3: same and he would read him. But that wasn't the case either. No, well, you mentioned Ruddy there and after the first like five minutes, I saw the replay back and he nearly had a bit of a howler, didn't he? But thankfully, he recovered from that. And yeah, just the team in general. Um, like I said a minute ago, a lot of tired legs. Um, it was a brave move by Nuno and it paid off and I think Cardiff were poor but we had to be good as well and that first goal, Jesus Christ, the play and the build-up obviously gives what was involved as well. Uh, a lot of players were involved and it was just a joy to watch that. What a goal that was.
4: Yeah, I agree with you, Harry. I think whoever you're playing against there, to that little pass and move bit of football, they knew exactly where each others were. It was a quality, quality goal but off the back of it, Cardiff are crap. They're, they're different. It was a very different team to what we watched that beat us at their place. They other than the first five minutes where I think they started pretty brightly and came at us, they did they lacked quality. They lacked the ability to get near us really. And it should have been three, four, five, in my opinion.
2: One thousand and twenty one days. Can anyone has to guess what that is? That is the Jack's dry spell. <laughs> Very good point, yeah, but it's actually longer Stick a than a
5: on it, maybe. Um, <laughs> is it the day since John Ruddy cl- kept a clean sheet in the Premier League?
2: It's the last time he started a game in the Premier League, oh, okay. which was against Everton at Goodison, and Everton won 3-0. So, they you go, a little pop quiz for you.
4: Bayless. how do you think Gibbs White got on? I think he struggled in parts. I think as one of the changes that we made that didn't probably reach the potential we thought they would on the day, he was the one. I think the game got a little bit away from him. He made a couple of decent runs, but the standout performers were Traore and Sace, in my opinion. Vinagra as well had a very good game. He he sort of disappeared a little bit. I think it wasn't the right one for him. It was a game where they were going to be tough and rough, and I think Gibbs White likes running at people and having a bit more space to do what he wants to do. I think it wasn't the game that suited him, really.
2: Jack remains says 90% pass accuracy, best on the pitch, 11 headers won. That's the most on the pitch, 10 clearances, most on the pitch. An exceptional game
5: from him. Yeah, he was superb. I'd say it's either between him and Vanagra for the man of the match from my point of view. But yeah, he slotted in really well obviously all the players that came in it's one of these situations whereby if we'd have ended up drawing or losing that game there'd have been real questions asked about Nuno because obviously there's been talk about fatigue and stuff coming in but it works as a master plan and New, uh, Neil Warnock would not have predicted that because obviously we didn't predict it we were all shocked when the team came out at 2 o'clock but everybody who came in like made a difference and, and and contributed in a really really great team performance just on that though does anyone remember Torre's shot I was just thinking about that it just landed oh,
2: oh, oh my <laughs> god it sliced <laughs> it <in. laughs> have to get the bing bongs out again for, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I
4: think you're going to have to I think you've got to dig <laughs> it out
2: airport. oh that was terrible wasn't it because I think everybody knew as soon as he went through everyone just looked at each other slyly and went <laughs> uh, and oh. then it went ballooned over, didn't it? It, it, clock, didn't it? it hit the clock, didn't it?
4: The clock of the town square, didn't
2: it? I've really watched that 17 enough. pass move about nine million times, and it was just oh, absolutely fantastic to watch that one touch. Sort of, I was speaking to the Chelsea guy for the away perspective, he said that's what Sarri ball should be like is that sort of possession, being patient, coming out from the back. Tip at well tick attacker almost. Don't want to use that. It's always use a Barcelona, isn't it, Harry? But a fantastic move. And I think there's only about hundred and thirty four seconds between each <laughs> goal.
3: Yeah, and the, he started off from Sace, didn't at the first one, and then I, I love Gibbs White. Little uh, his little nick to Jimenez just before he started for Jota. I love that part, and then like you just mentioned, the second goal there. Um, obviously, it was bad from Cardiff. Jimenez picking up the ball, but the the unselfishness from Jota to uh, pass it across to Jimenez and put that in. Those two, you know, their understanding is absolutely brilliant. But it was just brilliant, wasn't it, to get those two early goals because we uh, lack early goals sometimes. And incredible, mate, incredible. And I, I saw a poll on Twitter. I think it was the official Premier League they, they did a poll for the Premier League goal of the weekend and that one weren't even in their at our first goal so I was pretty shocked at that I thought it was brilliant mm. I think oh, fantastic the, the early goal is the big thing to take from it we've struggled so much this
4: season scoring goals in the first half and what it did in, on the back of the second half is nullified Cardiff they weren't able to play their rough and tough because they had to go for it they couldn't get that last gas goal or a 1-0 like a couple of other teams have done to us because we killed the game within 20 minutes and we haven't done that enough and I think I don't know what happened. I've seen us start well and start poorly across the whole season and not create chances. I don't know what happened in that game for us to to get up there and get the goal early. Cardiff happened.
2: There was a change, Jack, there was a change in almost the complacency, I think, that we saw maybe against Leicester when we were 2-0 up at half-time and it was more of an accomplished performance in, in terms of finishing the job, sitting back, breaking them down when we need to, but not going too hard to try and get that third.
5: Yeah, I mean, if you think back to the game, though, I mean, Cardiff would have been very happy with the first 10 and 15 minutes they had, probably up until the point where we scored and we just played through them. So that goal really was the turning point, just as Dan touched on then. But yeah, it was it was an accomplished performance, and it's the one that you'd expect us to be doing at home against a team who's currently fighting relegation. And I know we've seen in the past that we've struggled against teams down the bottom them. But just thinking back, though, if obviously just, just just over a week ago, the one thing that really impresses me about this Nuno team, and always has since this came in, is how we respond to a defeat, particularly a disappointing defeat like the one we had at Huddersfield. It always seems like the next game, no matter who the personnel are, sort of elects, that we come out fighting and we, and we put in a performance to make up for the what happened in the previous game. And that's really impressive. That's a great sort of char- characteristic to have. That means I want to lose 5-0 on Sunday so we win the FA Cup quarter <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take that now.
3: I just want to mention as well, second half, I've got thinking back now, even though we didn't get the goal I remember Jimenez's chance that was a great save but to how quick we were on the break with like Vinagre obviously Traore Gibbs White and that in there I thought that was so impressive and we just absolutely destroyed Cardiff it was just unfortunate we couldn't get that third goal weren't it because some of the breaks we did were incredible So a fantastic stat about Ruben Vinagre where he got to 21 miles an hour running
4: down that flank which is just incredible speed fastest in the league that, that is fastest mental fastest in the league that week and quicker than Traore he was looking enough to get a goal, when not he? Even that great, to be fair
2: to him. Yeah, it I thought awesome. he, played he played really well. good chances. I think he's always yeah. played well, whatever game he's come into, hasn't he, really? And he's always staked that claim to keep his place. I mean, we're obviously going to move on to Chelsea later, but you'd imagine that Johnny will come back in for Chelsea. Um, Harry... Diogo Jota, another fantastic game from him. He seems to be getting better every single game too. He seems to be growing into the Premier League. Didn't have much that first half of the season, but in his past seven
3: games in all competitions at Molyneux, five goals, four assists. And you can't argue with that. No, he was brilliant. Obviously, he did come off just at the beginning of the second half, but he involved heavily in the two goals. He was running at them, and like you said the turnaround the last 11 games or so has been absolutely incredible and he's vital him and Jimenez is understanding is incredible and it's so important that we have those two playing especially in the FA Cup game if we want to win that and I did give Jota the man of the match from my post-match thing with Talking Walls, but I was hammered and I forgot he went off at half time so but yeah I think he was up there uh, it was a great performance for him in that first half well, I think you have touched on it then
2: uh, Harry uh, he would be your man of the match Still, or uh, now you're slightly more so uh, No,
3: uh, after I watched it back on Match Choice, I probably would give it to Vanagre. Bayless. I was going with Vanagre as well, but um, stats don't lie, and Sace was
4: unbelievable. And uh, Jack, just finish us off. Uh, Sace, I'll go with
2: Sace as well. Perfect, right, okay, fantastic win. We will move on to your away perspective now. The away perspective. What have our opponents got to say? David Tidgey from Chelsea Fancast. You'll also find him on Love Sport Radio 2. Just give your other stuff a plug, David. Yeah,
1: well, we were saying I, I do far too much for Chelsea. At the end of the day that I, <laughs> I write for the main fanzine, which is uh, CFC UK. Uh, I've got a weekly column on uh, London on Chelsea. And uh, I'm also the chairman of the Chelsea Supporters Trust.
2: Now, when it comes to the weekend, we'll sort of keep away from the Europa League tie if we can. How do you expect the Blues to line up at Stamford Bridge against Wolves?
1: Well, it's fairly predictable, really. Um, you know, Sarri really just likes us, you know, to, to, to select from a squad of about 14, to be honest. Uh, so we all have a giggle about, you know, second guessing who's going to play, knowing full well that he's going to play the same people he always plays. So I would expect to see, obviously, Kepa in goal because they've obviously made up after uh, Kepa's rebellion in the Caribou Cup. Uh, really, at the back, you get Aspie, Rudiger, Luiz. Uh, and Alonso is his preferred uh, fullback. although Emerson's been getting a run-out recently because Alonso's been out of form and or tired. Uh, obviously, Jorginho uh, is his regista because he can't play without him. Uh, he'll have uh, Kante, obviously, on the right. And it'll either be Kovacic or Barkley on the left. And then I suspect it'll be Hazard, Higuain and either William or Pedro.
2: Do you think that Kepa should be playing football in a Chelsea shirt ever again?
1: Uh, Well, I think that's, you know, basically borderline insanity spouted by that complete idiot, uh, Chris Sutton, one of Chelsea's worst ever strikers, even by the likes of Morata's standards. (laughs) I mean, absolute rubbish. Rubbish. I mean, I think generally there was some sort of a misunderstanding, and uh, I think the interesting thing actually that nobody really picked up on was how how they were clearly trying to waste some time, uh, and you could make an argument there saying that well, that was daft because we were actually playing quite well at the time in the final. But uh, you know, it was it was ridiculous, you know, and stupid to be that insubordinate. And and I, I can't disagree with anybody who says that he shouldn't have you know gone off when the manager wants him to go off, but. Uh, you don't sack people for, for that. And anyway, you're not going to get rid of an asset that's worth 75 million and possibly double that in the next five to 10 years.
2: The game at Molyneux was a fantastic performance by Wolves. And I think it just showed what sort of Chelsea side can show up. Because I suppose you had a similar game against Bournemouth, but then, yeah. You blow away Spurs just a week ago.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we played you early in the season. You, you were on, you were in very good form then, and I think you've been incredibly impressive actually throughout the the whole season. I think, um, you know, if you look at the Premier League as a whole, Wolves have been the probably the key success story this season. Poss- possibly, I'd say the biggest surprise. But then again, I think people who who know the game are not really that surprised because they looked a very good side last year, and they clearly had players who were far better than. You know the championship, but I mean, when when we saw you then, we were, uh, you know, kind of still in the the, the throes of Sarri ball, uh, kind of working at the time. Uh, although there's a very good argument to be said that uh, the players were just doing their own thing even then. And then, of <laughs> course, it all came, you know, crashing down when when Spurs, you know, amazingly, seemed to be the first team to actually put somebody in on Georginio. Uh, and, that, uh, and that, and then also exposed our, our weaknesses at the back with the spaces that are left. Yeah. I mean, what's happened recently, Sam, um, is that, amazingly, Sarri seems to have, you know, changed his mind and become less stubborn and actually adapted to the needs of the Premier League, which, of course, is, you know, you do have to, you know, mitigate the risks that you, you face when you play somebody else and what they're likely to do and what their strengths are and also take account of what they're likely to do to you. So, you know, basically starting at City, they've started to defend a little bit deeper against teams that have the quality to expose the vulnerabilities that we have when we leave space, when we charge you know, up the field. And I think we've looked far more defensively solid as a result. Uh, the trouble is uh, is that doing that, we, we become you know, even more toothless up front and perhaps even more over-reliant on, on Hazard. So I don't think they've kind of really solved the dilemma yet, but you know, I, I'm much happier that they look a little bit more solid against good teams be really interesting to see how he sets up against Wolves. I mean, I would suspect, knowing how good you lot are on the counter, that, uh, and also good at keeping the ball, I may add, that uh, I would suspect that um, he ought to probably you know, be a bit more cautious. But, you know, I don't know. I mean, he's just as likely to say, no, no, you know, you're not Man City or Liverpool or whoever. I'm going to play Sarri ball. And he could you know, press very, very high, and that could be really dangerous for us because you could really hit us on the break.
2: Would you take a player from Wolves if you could?
1: Yeah, I'd certainly take the manager. <laughs> <laughs> he looks great. I mean, one of them. I don't know if you saw this on Twitter. I think it was Jotto's goal, wasn't it? Yeah, at uh, the weekend where you had I don't know how many passes. Seventeen. When in the yeah, seventeen yeah. passes. And I'm not sure if I tweeted out or not, but if I didn't, it was remiss of me because I was. I think somebody else did actually. And They said, "Is this what Sarriball's supposed to be like?" Because in a sense, that's actually, I think, what Sarri is trying to do. You know, you know, patient uh, possession, passing the ball. You know, waiting for an opportunity, waiting for a gap to come up when they press you, and then pass round them and end up with the ball in the net. It was a superb goal. Mm. So, uh, uh, who would I? Who would I have? I mean, obviously, Gibbs White's White on everybody's. Uh, you know, been talking about him because, of, of course, his England connections. He looks a hell of a prospect but I think you've got good players all over the place, but clearly Jimenez and Jota look good players too. So, um, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean,
2: it's funny, isn't it? Because I think you can only probably sign the manager that you wouldn't be able to sign <laughs> anybody else, but I was going to lead you on. I mean, you gave Morata a bit of a hammering early on in the interview and, uh, he might be back. Actually, he might be your star striker because you won't be able to buy anyone else.
1: Well, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, you know, there, there, there seems to be a pattern with these transfer bands. I mean, it certainly happened with Real Madrid Barcelona, and. Uh, Atletico is that when you appeal, which Chelsea have just done, uh, you, you tend to get the ban postponed until the results of the appeal. And if they fail in the appeal back to FIFA, they'll probably certainly go to CAS. So it could be a while yet before we're banned from doing any transfers. Um, I, if, if, if that happens, then I suspect that Chelsea will certainly spend uh, this summer and possibly in the winter if the, if it's not resolved by then. But of course, you know, the other, you know, the other side of that coin is that with 41 players out on loan, and yeah. probably one of the most talented academies in, the, in in Europe, let alone the country. You know, really, if anybody can get through a transfer ban, it should be Chelsea. And there's a lot of supporters, Sam, who are crying out for some of our talented young players to get a chance, like Gibbs White is at Wolves.
2: Who was the last player that i can only think of someone like john terry who came through the youth ranks there and actually had a mainstay part to play in that chelsea
1: side well it is i mean john terry is the the only one um but uh i mean what what is
2: so what is, would you what would tr- you what would you base the success of a, an academy
1: on that's a very good question i mean arguably that well it depends what the club thinks the academys for if the club thinks the academy is to develop homegrown players and see them play in the first team and become kind of self, you know, self-resourcing, then uh, it's to get players into the first team. But there's been an argument for a long time that what Chelsea do is that they do it to either, you know, kind of harvest young players, uh, you know, stop other clubs from buying them, uh, but also but also to... Um, you know, kind of use it as a, as a way of making revenue by, you know, if they don't make it at Chelsea, then they can sell them on and, and, and make some money out of them. I mean, the, the difficulty is, I mean, it's a really difficult argument. And, and we, we sit in the pub arguing this till the cows come home and on the podcast, <laughs> because, yes, we all, you know, every supporter of any club wants to see homegrown players make it at their club because they tend to have an affinity for the club and you tend yeah. to have an affinity with them. But we're talking about Chelsea. I mean, I know we're up and down like a yo-yo, we're a bit of a basket case at a club, but we are an elite European club, you know, and we therefore have internationals playing in most of our positions who are very experienced. So, for example, you know, much as I love Callum Hudson-Odoi, massively exciting prospect, that's what he is at the moment. He's a massively exciting prospect. Uh, Should he get get into into the team instead of Eden Hazard? Of course, of course, he shouldn't. So that's the problem you have at Chelsea. To get in, they have to be as consistent as and as good as you know experienced internationals who have done it and proven it before. And therein lies the problem. And of course, now they're getting frustrated because quite rightly they want to play, and then you've got the Bundesliga clubs sniffing around them because they realise that the crop of uh, England youngsters are arguably some of the best in the world at their age group, uh, and it's very attractive for a player because they, they, they just want to play. So I, it's a real dilemma, and I really don't know what the answer is. I'm kind of quite ambivalent about it, in a sense.
2: Let's go on to a score prediction. Usually, people don't like doing these, and, and we're pretty much in the same boat. Yeah, I'm not but alone it's in that it, it's good to, <laughs> it's good to get them sometimes. Uh, if it was uh, neck on the line time for you, what would you go for?
1: I, I, I mean, I think it's almost impossible to predict because you know, in, unless we know how Sarri's going to set up, it's a toughie. I mean, you know, Wolves. Well, I mean, what I will say about Wolves is that. You know, they, they're clearly the best of the rest, if you see what I mean. You know, they're, they're in seventh. I mean, I know they're level with Watford, but they are the best of the rest. But they can be... I mean, the, the one thing that holds Wolves back, and I think one thing that, you know, Spirito Santo is going to have to nail next year is, is more consistency. I mean, if you look at your last few results, you you were uh, drawn against Bournemouth away and you lost against Huddersfield. I mean, how does that happen?
2: We lost to Huddersfield oh, twice this season.
1: Yeah, you know, and you beat, you beat, Wolves, uh, beat Cardiff before that. So, you know, it could be anything, couldn't it? Um, I'm hoping that uh, Sarri's going to be a bit more savvy about how he, how he plays walls. And in that case, I'm going to go for 2-1 Chelsea win.
2: Perfect, David. Well, best of bad luck, of course, for the weekend. <laughs> Thank and too, uh, thanks for talking to the 77 Club.
1: Absolute pleasure. Take care. The away perspective.
2: What have our opponents got to say? So, pretty comprehensive breakdown of the game at Chelsea. you got to wait until Sunday. They are in Europa League action this week. Chelsea are looking for a third successive Premier League victory as they attempt to climb into the top four, while Wolverhampton Wanderers are aiming for a second win in a row after beating Cardiff. Obviously, we just talked about that. This is a chance to do the double over Chelsea, Harry. Fantastic opportunity.
3: Yeah, it is a good opportunity. And uh, obviously, we're buzzing off the back of the result. Saturday and if we go there and they've had a bit of a stinker on in the Europa League and a bit tired... Maybe we can get something, but I think they're a bit too far away for us to catch now, aren't they? I think they're thirteen points ahead of us of a game in hand or yeah. whatever. But it's looking like seventh place is going to be Europa League. So if we could nick a result, it'll give us that a uh, step into uh, claiming that seventh place. We well, say that, and um, Bayless Chelsea have actually only lost one of their last fifty-three home
2: league matches against promoted sides. Uh, AFC Bournemouth in December twenty
4: fifteen was the last time that was achieved. Wow, Bournemouth are a bit of a bogey team then for Chelsea. Yeah, I'm Yeah, I not hugely optimistic. I I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little bit uh, blasé, but I'm so focused on the week after that I'm not really... I'm <laughs> going as well. I'm going to Chelsea and I'm not really... As long as we don't disgrace ourselves, I'm not hugely bothered. And I know that's a really bad thing to say as a fan, but I'm. I'm not, to be honest.
2: Jack, in terms of doing the double... We can be the first promoted team to do the Premier League double over Chelsea since Charlton in two thousand slash two thousand and one season. All the stats are coming out this week. Is that when they were shit? And that was, yeah. <laughs> but, well, they've never been they've never been shit, though, have they? I mean, before Abramovich's money, they were still sort of hitting that top four.
5: Well, they're sort of like always top off, were not they? I don't know about top. Yeah, they're always. Decent, weren't they? They weren't um, like Manchester City, basically. If if anyone's going to be the first team to do that since 2000 as a promoted team, then yeah, I think it's us. And unlike Dan, I'm quite optimistic. Obviously, if there were fatigue issues, they've now been addressed with the players who got taken out on Saturday, having effectively a week and a half's rest. Chelsea are obviously playing in the Europa League on Thursday night, I believe. So um, that will have an effect on them and their team choice and. Basically, we've got two massive games coming up now. It's hard not to have a, an eye on the game on Saturday, the week Saturday because we know how, how big that is in relation to our season and how a massive occasion it's going to be. But Chelsea away is also a massive game for a team like us now. And if we really do want seventh place, the way Watford are playing, then we have to be, carry on to take points against these bigger teams. And there's no reason why we can't go there and get a result because they've been such a mixed bag lately, Chelsea.
4: I agree that this is a big game Sunday. Nothing against that. And finishing seventh will be a fantastic thing for Wolves to do. But this FA Cup quarter final is the biggest game since 1998 it, and the playoff final. It is huge. This is Wolves going to the next level, which fair enough, the Europa League would be at seventh. And that is a, a chance. But I think as a fan, and I think you guys back me up on it, the FA Cup is, it's
5: there. It's there for us to have a go at. And that's the one we're going for, I I would say. On that note then... What, what do you, How do you think, given the changes that were made to the team for the game on Saturday, how is that going to affect the teams that's going to come out on Sunday and then subsequently the following Saturday?
4: I'm almost with the opinion to keep Ruddy in, you know. Even though we've said for the last six weeks that Ruddy should go when Wolves get to the serious stages, I think there's been a little bit of consistency there. I think Vinagre did a lot to keep his place. The only ones I'd be switching out are Gibbs, White and possibly Traore.
5: On that, I think he's already said Patricio is going to play on Sunday.
4: Yeah, I know. I'm just—he has said that, yes, yeah. <laughs> but I'm just saying that's why I, I, I keep Ruddy in. He did nothing. One small error that he recovered within a millisecond.
3: I mean, it, it could have been a lot worse. though. it'd be interesting to see. It'd be interesting to see. Yeah, I think um, I don't think it would be full full strength. I think it would be a bit patchy, but I don't think it'd be the same team as Cardiff either. I think he'd change it around a little bit again. And then the week after against Man United, obviously, know no Ruddy would be in goal. But I think it would be the outfield team that we saw against Huddersfield and Bournemouth, even though they weren't very good performances, unless the likes of Vinagre, like Baylis just mentioned, does have an absolute will again at Chelsea and keeps his place. So obviously I think Doherty will come in for Traore eventually again, because he's, he's not a natural right wing back, is he really? So I think Doherty will be back in there.
2: And Harry, Michael Oliver is the referee and Roger East is the fourth official Ooh, for this one. Your mate Roger East, obviously uh, a lot of fallout from the watch long from Bournemouth for, for his involvement. <laughs>
3: Yeah, Roger is. Well, at least he's uh, just fourth official and not actually in the centre circle. So, yeah, he had a mare, didn't he? And hopefully he uh, has a better performance in the fourth official role. <laughs> we ran a poll on our social media. Obviously, Ryan Bennett picked up the 10th
2: yellow card of the season against Cardiff. 60% said they'd like to see Romain Sace take that position. Only 40% saying Don D- Dendonka and well, within a couple of percent because uh, a couple of people said change of formation. Um Jack, what would you do?
5: Would you bring Sace into that defensive position? Would you change it to a back four? My immediate response to this when I was asked the question or saw the poll was, well, obviously you put Sace at the back and you leave Dendonka in midfield because he's been so effective there. However, it's a really difficult one because the way we play football, I think Dendonka's probably more comfortable in that sort of passing role when the ball's played to him than Sace is. And Sace had an absolute blinder in midfield last game. So that's give, definitely given him something to think about. But whichever Nuno goes with, I won't be too bothered either way. But I, I'm, my immediate reaction would have been, OK, you've got to put Sace back there. But man, I'm thinking, no, maybe Dendonka. But it, it, it's a very tight call. It's a hard one to make, that is because obviously you also probably want to do it. If he's banned for two games, you want to do it. So it's the same person who takes whichever cover position for both games. So I don't know. It's hard.
2: Bayless is a little bit of a free hit in that sense where it it sort of almost... Oh, I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but it doesn't matter as much as it does for maybe a, a game
4: where you're competing for a position in the league with that team or it's an FA Cup game. Yeah, I think Wolves aren't expected to go there and do anything, really. You want to see the betting odds I've got. They are just astronomical for Wolves to pick up anything. So I don't think people really fancy this. As you said, Chelsea haven't lost there for a long time. It is a free hit, and that's where the sort of optimism can come into it is that Wolves might... You might get Chelsea on their bad day like they've had a few of recently and we might nick a 1-0 or something but I think that's the only chance we've got. They are a good team regardless of what's happened with the manager and the whole debacle. They are still a good footballing team.
3: Harry, do you echo that? Yeah, and just on the Sace and uh, Dendonka thing, I would put Dendonka at the back. One, because obviously he's taken over Bennett's place and he's right-footed and obviously we know Boll is right-footed as well so Sace has played in that role before where he's been on the right side of the back three and he hasn't played too well. And for me, he's only had one good game in defence when he has played there, and that was against West Ham at home. So for those reasons, and because Sace played really well against Cardiff, I would put Den Donker at the back and keep Sace in the midfield.
5: Score prediction, Jack? I'd be very happy with a two-all draw. We'll go with that.
3: Hart says
4: 1-0 Wolves, Jota. Head says 3-1 Chelsea.
3: I think we'll go 1-0 up fairly early, but
2: lose 2-1. Perfect. Okay. Uh, We'll move on then to your latest betting odds and ticket news.
0: Hi, I'm Kelly, Chris Kamara, You're listening to the 77 Club, and it's unbelievable, Jeff.
4: Yes, so as usual, I am in with our partners over at fansbet.com, and this week we have got some whopping odds. Um, as I've just said, I've got my heart choice, which is a 1 0 Wolves win, Jotter to get the goal. It's been boosted from 50 to 1 to 60 to 1. Oh my God, How unbelievable. I can't believe yeah, it. Yeah. Is unbelievable, Cheers, lad, Jeff. Thanks. <laughs>
0: Yeah.
5: That, that means if you put a pound, if you put a pound on, you so you get none back
4: every
0: Sunday.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Next up, I have got Mac Doherty to get a goal anytime and Wolves to win two one. It was eighty to one. It is now a hundred
3: to one.
2: Wow. Okay, that is ridiculous. That's that is unbelievable. I cannot believe Thanks. that. Cheers. Outrageous. The support, Are
3: there any bets at eleven to three Doug? <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Very good. Um,
4: a, bit, a little bit more conservative. Willie Bolly to grab a goal and it to be a one all draw. That's been boosted again. That's now 80 to 1. Wow. I'll have a punt on to that.
5: It's 3, wouldn't it, Ari?
4: Blimey It's just huge. And then if you, do, uh, if you want to come down the odds and spread it out a little bit, not with going with the score casts, we've got a Wolves to win and both teams to score. It's 12 to 1. But yeah, if, if, Wolves, if you think Wolves are going to get a result and do one over Chelsea, the odds are astronomical. So just fill your boots, get on fansbet.com and choose the Wolves 77 Club as your betting partner.
3: <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sorry, Jack. It is the 10. It yeah, is I thought 10, it to, was, 10, 10 to 3. <laughs> so you Not even 11. 11's Monday. <laughs> even get, God, Harry, if you're going get, to start getting the date wrong, that's just
5: unacceptable.
2: <laughs> uh, Jack's got your ticket news.
5: Um, yes there's not much to report at the moment obviously the talking point is still that Man U Cup game which went on sale uh, as of today which is Wednesday to the points so members with at least 180 points uh, I believe Um, and on sale as of Thursday to those with 160 points 140 as of Friday at time of recording I think there's Good availability in the green stands. There's a few left in the Billy Wright. And apart from that, you're struggling. Obviously there's only just over 3000 tickets that are actually going on to the point system because of the allocation we've given to Man United, them being in the um, steeple lower and the quadrant means that obviously there's a lot less tickets available for this one. So it's going to be quite hard to get them. So I can't imagine them being many left on sale after Friday really for, for that Man United game, but at least it's on BBC one. Um, Burnley Away, the Burnley Away on the 30th of March at Turf Moor. Low allocation for this one, obviously guessing because of Burnley's ground size. So only 2,458 tickets available for that one. Currently on sale to Away season ticket holders, then on the points of of Saturday, started with 1,160 and then 1,150 as of Monday, the 11th of March and so on, so on, so on. Again, I reckon they won't last very long either. And that's it for this week.
2: Perfect. Okay, we will move on to club finances. Hi,
1: I'm Steve Ball and you're listening to The 77 Club.
2: So Wolves have released their accounts from last season, losing more than a million pounds a week during that championship winning campaign. Pre-tax loss of 5716 million pounds more than double the 23.1 they lost in that previous 12 months. I suppose Harry in a way it's the cost
3: of success. It is, yeah, and also I'm bloody glad we went up as well if that if that was the finances, you know. I know we've got a lot of money behind us, but all the financial fair play stuff and things like that, it would have been a bit worrying, but yeah, that is the price of success and uh, you've got to throw money at it and even Finishing up there in the Premier League. I don't know if... Uh, do you recover that much money back? I well, don't know, but hopefully That's we do. what did the Villa, isn't it? Because
4: you've basically got so long to go back up before your, your parachute payments drop off and your financial fair play kick in. They're both over about a three, four-year period, so... If you cock it up like the Villa did, then we can all laugh at them.
2: Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, they did £37 million loss last year, so they were showing everybody how not to do it. But £109 million spent on player acquisitions through uh, last year and into the summer too. But I did see a stat where... Um, Wolf squad and how it's valued now is 1.9 times what they paid, if that makes sense. So uh, like, like yeah, we yeah, said yeah. In, in episodes before, is that when you invest in those younger players, obviously they hold their value. It's not like we're spending a lot of money and on, on wages on players that are sort of 32. Uh, Jack, I don't know if you've had a chance to see them, but obviously it, it does seem to be a lot of money, um, but turned over £26.5 million pounds and, and there was an increase of £1.3 million in ticketing. It just shows you how how little the gate receipts actually play a part in football finances anymore yeah
5: I mean particularly with how reasonably priced our season tickets are and our tickets are I mean I believe they're reasonably priced when you think about Arsenal and Tottenham when you're paying at least you know four figures for a season ticket but yeah, I mean, it's all TV money, isn't it? It's a, it's a global brand and it's marketed across across the globe now. Whether that be in markets like the United States or China or, or anywhere uh, Africa, all these places now, it's all about the TV revenue. So even though we've took the gamble and made those losses, I'm not overly concerned because once we're an established Premier League team, the amount we're making just off TV revenue every year is just is is massive and will soon outweigh those costs. I would, like Harry said, would have been worried if we were in the Championship and these figures came out and we were still mid-table there now and not going up like Villa sort of. Thing. But um it's worked out and we've got our assets on the pitch and that's the thing we can always, if needs be, shift them on and, and recoup some of that. But with the way Fosen are, now, I don't think that um I don't think we're gonna to need to anytime soon, so not worried. Just to put a bit of
2: perspective on it from last year when West Brom finished twentieth, which is bottom of the Premier League, dead last. Matches that televised nine. So their TV income was twelve point three million. The prize money for finishing bottom, absolute bottom, can't stress that enough. One point nine million pounds. Uh, their equal share eighty point four million pounds. So they walk away finishing bottom, dead last of the Premier League, with ninety four point seven million pounds. So it just goes to show, even finishing in the bottom of the Premier League, you, you're making a lot of money. Obviously, you want to be not bottom of the league, like Albion. I mean, seventeenth is the least that you want. Can you just reiterate where Albion finished? Uh, they finished <laughs> bottom of the Premier okay, League
4: thank Dead you. at last We've thank won you. more games than them Than they managed last year Thank you um, Yeah I also think about This money <laughs> situation Firstly That's how football pretty much works If you want to be successful Secondly We're at the start of our process Of doing this So we are investing in the talent That will be sold on later So our financials could get A hell of a lot better If we sold a Neves for 50-60 million Then you've instantly recouped that Plus a hell of a lot more I think Looking at these figures In any sort of Downside of how it might act On us on financial fair play we don't really need to do because every asset we've bought, with the exception of Bonatini, who's one of the worst players in England, <laughs> oh, God. Has made is making us money. A lot of money.
2: Who would like to know what Manchester United took home last year? Oh, I, bet, I bet, yeah, I bet with their
4: sponsorships and stuff, it's just massive and their sales of kits and stuff. I bet it's insane. They
2: are top of the trio. They finished second in the league, but they had twenty-eight matches televised last season. So that T V income is up to thirty-two point seven. Prize money for finishing second, thirty-six point seven, the equal share, eighty point four, 149.8, so basically 150 million pounds going into that pot. And that is about half a million pounds more than Manchester City, who won the league, though they had two fewer televised matches but it does just go to show as soon as you start climbing up that table and you're playing attractive football as well because I think that's really important because the amount of times that Wolves have been on TV in the Premier League this year compared to somebody like a Cardiff or a Fulham is if you're playing the attractive football you're going to be getting those TV games and at the end of the year it's all going to add up isn't it?
4: Well yeah this game Sunday they're expecting two very stylish football teams one of which can not turn up sometimes the other one of which is in a bit of a weird position with their manager so it could be a game of two great footballing teams or it could be a nil-nil stalemate and it's a load of rubbish.
5: I mean, it hasn't been boring any of the games are put on TV when you think about it as well. When they picked that 4-3 Leicester game, that was an absolute masterstroke. Yeah. I mean, even the Newcastle game, we got a 94th minute sort of controversial, if you like, winner. So, you know, it's been entertaining.
3: That's what they like us, though. The big thing as well... You mentioned that I was being on Teddy a like, lot. I've I've seen so many comments on Twitter this year where fans are like, "Bloody our Wolves are like my second favourite team this year." We've become that club this year that you know fans really like to look at. So it's only good, and if he gets us more money, that's great. Okay, perfect. Uh, it is time for this. Harry's, Harry's. <laughs> funny, funny story. story. So yeah, you were talking about Bamba's uh, earlier uh, earlier injury, injury earlier, sorry. And uh, this one, I can't pronounce his name, but Bordeaux midfielder Yanoussi Sankahari yeah, like was doing sidelined. It right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he was sidelined, right? He missed a game because he had a beard implant and it caused complications. I can see now. that. If if uh, well, imagine if a Wolves player come out saying that had a beard, pla- had a beard transplant, and they had a fever, so he couldn't play a bloody game. Oh, he should get sacked. I, I'll show him how to <laughs> grow a good beard. To be fair. I, I,
5: could, I could use yeah, one. Yeah, who, 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 what, what's the name of his uh, beard surgeon?
2: It's, called, uh, um, uh, it's called Putting your ass pubes on your face. dot com. It's an
0: online service. <laughs> well, <laughs> you've been
4: doing <laughs> it well, mate. <laughs> <already? laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> Magic mirror on
0: the wall. Who's got the smallest of them all? Is it big enough to impress the ladies, or will they feel intimidated by the bloke at the urinals? It is massive, apparently. We're talking about IQs. Get your heads out of the gutter, filthy animals. It's time for the 77 Club Quiz.
2: OK, I will pass you over to Harry now, who has the quiz for this week.
3: Yes, uh, pretty straightforward quiz this week. The first two rounds are based around managers since 1992. And the last round is a very, very tough general knowledge football questions. Now, we've got the order. We did it off air. So no uh, moaning, please. And right. So first up, it is... Jack. Can I just make a quick prediction? I bet Bailey says at some point during this quiz, oh, I'm crap
2: at this quiz. I'm crap at this type <laughs> of quiz. i am got a clue. That's my bet. Yeah. That's
5: my bet. To, yeah, well, to be yeah. fair, bias ba- ba- is rubbish about games that have happened this season. But if you ask asking about the nineteen, ni- the FA Cup team from 1924. You'll <laughs> <he'll> know it, <laughs>
3: right? And Jack, first up, as of February 2018, which Premier League club has had the most managers in Premier League history?
5: Oh, the most managers in Premier League history, not in the recent time. So since the Premier League started, that's yeah. what Premier League means, and, mate. And, yeah. and and they've all been <laughs> as in, so someone who's been in the Premier League a long time, not he wouldn't count.
3: So what? what well, they've actually when they had the managers, they were in okay, the Premier so League. It's
5: not just which current Premier League team now has had the most the most managers. What I'm checking. I. No, as I mean a, it's, as it's a
3: irrelevant February, because I don't know. 2018 I'm 2018. just stalling. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I did <laughs> so notice that. It's going to be someone <laughs> so so you're saying
2: that. Pre, so Premier League is spelt P R. Yeah, E M I. So it's not
5: going to be it's not going to be Arsenal, Man United. It's going to be somebody who's been there a long time. Everton.
3: No, it was actually Newcastle United. Ah, makes sense. Moyes was there for a long time, mate. Yeah, I suppose. Right, nothing there, Bayless. There have been 108 individual English managers in the league. Which nation Name. is in second place with 56? Name 108. Um, Scottish. I learned Scottish as well.
2: Look at it. Look at his little face. Look at his little cheeks.
3: <laughs> right, Sam. Which Englishman? Has managed the most Premier League matches. Uh, it's got. A, ooh, I'm torn
2: between two. I'm torn between Harry Redknapp or Sam Allardyce, and I'm gonna go with Harry
3: Redknapp. Woo! Well done. Right, second round. So back round to Jack. Is this Premier League. <laughs> Which Spanish coach took charge of Everton between June 2013 and May 2016?
5: Fuck. Has this not been a question before?
3: Probably <laughs> It has Because I got it wrong
5: Yeah you did Yeah <laughs> Bloody um... Shock <laughs> No I don't I can't remember
3: It was Can anyone guess Martínez Martínez yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah Roberto Martínez Yeah Right so Jack we've get to get off the board Bayliss Can you name The only Premier League Manager in history To be born in Denmark
4: I know that as well Do I Yes that is quite hard. Now, I'm just doing a bit of thinking. I think Solskjaer is something like Norwegian, isn't he? So it's well, not him. I, <sighs> I don't think Schmeichel. Yeah, but it. I, think, I think he was born in Denmark, Dan. Won't go with that then. Mm. Um, I have
3: not got a clue.
2: Is it Michael Laudrup?
4: <laughs> it is oh,
2: Sam. Oh, well Jesus. done. Jesus.
3: Well done. Michael Laudrup, that legend. Right, on to you, Sam. Great player. Two different Argentinian coaches have taken charge of Southampton with the initials MP. Can you name them?
2: Maurizio Potaccino. I've got to name both. Um, yeah. <sighs> <sighs> I can't even think of no, a... Michael Portillo.
3: <laughs> it is Mauricio Pellegrino. Pellegrino. Oh, Pellegr- Oh, that's recent. Burger. So you all got you all got the question wrong there, so it's still one one nil, Jack. You need to I pull mean, one I back here. Like
5: all me, I to lie, but, um,
3: Last round. Now these these are quite hard general knowledge questions, but I think they are gettable. Right, Jack. What was the name of the Sutton United goalkeeper coach five for eating a pie during his side's game I, with Arsenal?
5: I, I, Ooh, I, I think I know his, his first name. name, but I don't know his surname. Oh uh, I can picture the guy, obviously. Because he was quite a large <laughs> fellow eating a pie. Um it's not Barry Dan uh, Dan's written Barry down <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I I can't remember mate I've got no idea Is it
3: Wayne something?
5: Yeah Yes
3: It is Wayne Wayne Shaw Wayne Shaw Yeah So that means Jack's lost it But we'll play to see who can win Bayliss Which club Won the 2017 UEFA Super Cup? I don't know who Won the Champions League last year
5: well,
3: <laughs> Ask a Liverpool fan it's 2017, so you don't need to know that. Just pick a big club. <laughs> Juventus. <laughs> it not be Madrid, isn't it? Yeah, Real Madrid. Real Madrid. That's what I was going to go right, with. Right, Sam. Stitched up with a, a, this is way. for the win. Here we go. <laughs> it's a, it's stinker. stinker. Yeah, it's a hard one. Which club won the Croatian First League for the first time in 2016-2017 oh, season? Devil. I just guessed. The... <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> The Croatian First Division. Yeah. yeah, for the first time in 2016-17.
2: Zagreb? Oh, what? What? Which one?
3: Uh, like I said No, it was, it, it was H-N-K Rejeka. Tip of my tongue.
5: I was like, Tip of off? my tongue. Right, so
3: would we you not need a tiebreaker because Jack
2: lost. Right, okay. Uh, that means that Jack gets the bungee points for this week. And otherwise, your pundits have been Harry Mansell. Yes, come on, boys, against Chelsea. Dan Bayliss. Goodbye, Wolves fans. And Jack Williams. Torbitt. Good going, good
1: The 77 Club. The Wolves Podcast for the Gold and Black Army.
4: Sports Social Podcast Network.
0: 18 plus.